So hi there, everybody. I hope you're all well. Thank you for joining today's uh, LinkedIn Live. Those of you who are listening to it live, then that makes it a LinkedIn Live. Those of you listening to the recorded version when it comes out afterwards, thanks for, for joining us. Um, as always, we try and run these, we keep them fairly short, something to do over lunch. So it's about sort of 25 minutes, half an hour, where we bring a guest expert on to talk about something in particular that we hopefully will find quite useful and um, that will support your businesses. So my name is James Osborne. I'm the co-founder of the Recruitment Network, uh, which is a large global community of recruitment business leaders all working together to help each other maximize performance, productivity, and profitability. And joining me today is a very close friend, a very good guy, great guy, in fact, uh, Gary Cordroy, who's the sales director of Bullhorn. So Gary, first of all, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Always, uh, always a pleasure to share the stage with you, as I uh, alluded to earlier on on, on LinkedIn. So, um, looking forward to a, a healthy discussion, as uh, as I've no doubt we will have. Yeah, real pleasure to be there. Brilliant, thanks, guy. And, and I think we're, we're going to have a bit of a geek fest a little bit here. I think we're not, we're not, we're not, we're not geeky people, but we are sort of geeky people actually. And I think the, the conversation today really is around technology. It's around automation. It's around AI. Um, how do we utilize tech in our businesses and our recruitment companies to? improve efficiency, save money, um, and all that type of stuff, really, which I think is, is hugely important. Let, let's get this going, because I think there's lots of, I don't know where this is going to go, this conversation today, actually. I think we're going to have a bit of fun with it. But, um, you know, one of the things that you you guys at Bullhorn talk a lot about is this thing, connected recruiting. Do you want to just explain what you mean by that and, and what's the philosophy behind it and why, 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 it's, why it's there? Yeah, I think um, I think it's a great place to start. By the way, in, in in so much as like connected recruitment as a as an overarching theme is this notion that I think as businesses as we as we've evolved and, and the rep tech arena is a really good example of like where we've seen some serious innovation coming to the fore in in, in recent years, not least, and we are on the periphery of a probably a probably one of the most seismic changes that that we've ever seen with the, with the rise of AI. So it's um, Connected recruiting is this notion that actually the, the single source of truth, everything being in the same place and, and feeding um, feeding activities. So if we take for like from an automation standpoint, not least all the things that automation can do for a business should then be feeding and surfacing opportunity in the form of analytics. Analytics should then be feeding opportunity proactively back to consultants in terms of helping them to do their jobs more effectively and then in turn that then sort of feeds back to the to the automation opportunity reaching out to candidates reaching out to companies reaching out to clients but everything being trapped and visible within you know within the crm and not having to rely so much on on external sources which in recent times not least we've seen a, a huge surge in, in costs for both job boards and, and linkedin licensing so it's really about maximizing that that opportunity that a crm can can provide so, so we we did a, um, a and you'll like this by the way you might like the outputs. So I did a CRM audit um, the other day with one of the members, a recruitment business, and they're, look, they're looking at shifting from their current supplier to a new one. And one of the things that we did was we looked at the uh, usage of their CRM, and, and yep. we estimated it was something like they're using about forty percent of their CRM system, the capability, the functionality, and the data within that. So what's going on with that? Because we're spending lots of money with the CRM systems, bullhorns of this world and everything else, which is which is fine. It's all part of the process. But um, we're only using 40% of it. Why, why is that happening? And what's the sort of the flip going to be? Because surely the, the other 60% is there's a gold mine of cash in there and placements and deals and candidates and everything else that goes with that. I mean, very much so. I'm sure there's a, a fair few businesses on this, on this call today, not least, that have established reputations in their markets, scores of thousands of, of contacts, candidates, company records, and it is a goldmine to your to your point, and it's often simply untapped. But I guess to some extent, it also 
it also depends on how that 40% is being measured in, in the first place. I mean, something that we are seeing an increasing amount of, um, of time and attention going into here across our client base is, is actually the engagement that they have with candidates, not least from the database. So um, when we are sending surveys, when we're sending digital content, marketing content, job alerts, like are people able to actually track who is interacting with their brand in a digital capacity? Because, of course, it's all very well when a consultant's got a direct engagement going on and there is verbal conversation exchanged and we, we, we know that engagement is there. But when you think some businesses have hundreds of thousands of records, like how, how are you monitoring and how are you tracking just how many of those records are interacting with your brand? So that's a huge opportunity in its own right. And you'll know, not least, James, from your own presence on our focus groups, that we have seen such a shift, a really mature shift, by the way, really positive shift in terms of businesses getting really granular around how many jobs are being filled from candidates in their database at the point of the job being added to the CRM. So, you know, there is it's the oldest cliche in recruitment that there's no bigger frustration for a business leader than paying to acquire talent that may well have been placed into a role and revenue driven from that, but that was already under your nose in the first place. And yet you were just not tapping into, you know, to that, to that person for whatever, whatever reason. So we're seeing those two barometers um, as kind of primary drivers for, for CRM utilization. And, and of course, we, we preach it all the time, but automation is a huge, huge opportunity to, to tap into that database more effectively. Uh, it's not just, I mean, that 40% isn't always necessarily about what features we're using and what features we're not. It's, it's about, actually, we've got all this data here. What are we doing with it? Is it accurate, mm. is it current, is it up to date? Because automation could be helping us with that. It's, it's just too big a manual task to otherwise complete independently. So to use a, a football analogy, like where is the 12th man helping mm. to unlock the potential in, in the data? You yourself, I love even your opening today was all about driving the, the productivity of businesses. And, and you talk about squeezing every ounce of, of potential really out of people we think the same way, but about data. Mm -hmm. So much potential in data that businesses often do not sometimes think very strategically about, or certainly as strategically as they could be. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, it's a really valid point, right? And I, I should say, by the way, anyone listening, if you've got any questions, feel free to put them in the comments and we'll, we'll, we'll pose those to, to, to Gary, obviously. You know, I think, I think this whole thing around squeezing more capacity and performance and productivity out of what we've already got is absolutely critical. I think a lot of recruitment businesses learned that during 2023 um, when, you know, they realized they just weren't getting the productivity out of what they needed. And actually, you know, we blame, we spent a lot of time blaming the markets. The markets were tough, obviously, they were tougher. Uh, but there's still plenty of business going on. And I think just people just weren't performing at full capacity. So anything we can do to squeeze more performance out of our people, out of our processes, our systems, out of our, our data, I think is absolutely critical. And, and, you, and you touched on a good point because, you know, you mentioned before, and we care what we say because we're on LinkedIn here. So it's LinkedIn Live. So I'm not going to knock LinkedIn at all. But the job boards, LinkedIn, the CRM systems, our tech stacks, they are expensive. It's, it's now a major part absolutely. of our cost infrastructure. And, you know, it's overtaken rent and, and in some cases in some cases even take overtaking salaries for that matter but you know so we're spending a lot of money on on tech stacks and everything else do you think that there, there could be a time when we won't need to use linkedin licenses anymore we won't need to use job boards anymore and actually our crm systems can we can evolve them in such a way that our outreach campaigns and everything else will work in such a way we get more out of what we've already got 
I don't I don't think so, but the narrative and the stance from a, a bullhorn perspective is not one necessary of elimination, but reduced dependency and reduced cost. Um, so, you know, we are a, a platinum LinkedIn partner, for example, which means that actually a lot of the LinkedIn interactions that uh, consultants are having with candidates, not least, are tracked within bullhorn. But then even by virtue of that, when someone leaves the business, that data is not is not going with them. So as a you know, as an agency, you've potentially paid four or five, six grand for a LinkedIn license, whatever it might be. You've given that functionality and capability to a consultant. That consultant's done done well over six, 12, 18 months, whatever it is. And when they leave and all of that great work they've done with establishing the network and all of those interactions they had with different people, out the door it goes with them. Whereas mm -hmm. with, with, with Bullhorn, it is at least tracked. So that again, that one sort of version of the truth as we, as we like to, to refer to it as, that data is still there to be repurposed and, and reutilized. But job board spend has gone up drastically in, in, in recent in recent years. And I think everybody would, would testify to, to that much. And and I guess all we all we really believe at Paul is that actually if you do have automation to drive engagement across your CRM, there's a number of positive things that can come off that, not least improving the health of your data. Mm -hmm. All of those passive candidates that are often untouched for weeks, months, if not years at a time. Um, simple simple maths tells you if you're a 50 user outfit and you've got, I don't know, half a million candidates on your day space, there is just no way that, you know, through human effort alone, you can reach all of those. But then when you start to take the automation analogy a little bit further, then where does the data come back in? Is yeah. it coming back in? Is it updating records in your in your CRM to improve the data health and the data integrity of your of your CRM so that your consultants start to trust it more? Because that is the big challenge, I think, for a lot of businesses, that you, LinkedIn is seen as the utopia in terms of the data accuracy. But now the, the tools are there to actually drive like automated updates of profile information, of, of data that we hold on, on people, companies, candidates, everything in between, so that actually when searches are performed in the CRM, the trust is there. If the mm -hmm. trust is there, the adoption's there. And that's then the start of how you move into this CRM-first mindset um and there are so many cost benefits for, for being that way inclined of course yeah for sure and the, 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 i mean we'll talk about automation now so let's let's just dive into that a little bit more because you know we, we did we had our as you know we had our the trn huddle last week we had about 250 recruitment leaders together for the day despite the fact there was a train strike they all turned yes, up in mass which is fantastic so um so, so I was really pleased about that. But we had, we had this guy from America live streaming in to talk about some sort of automated avatar stuff, and it was off the off the scale amazing. I mean, like, we all fell off our chairs like this is like like <laughs> fifth, fifth technology sort of stuff, and it was really amazing. And but one of the questions we started we started debating is like you know looking at all the automated world automations, how does that impact the user experience? in a positive and negative way because i think the I, I look at automations as much as around performance improvement productivity capacity and that type of stuff as as much around the user experience and the impact it has on user experience which i think it could do a really good job of however what i'm seeing at the moment is a lot of people jumping on the automation bandwagon getting some automated sequencing going because everyone else is talking about it and that type of stuff and you look at it and i think it's doing the complete opposite effect um, maybe because it's not maturely thought about and their structure or how they're doing it. I even had one company came to me and said, we've got it all sorted. And we went to a copywriter to get all the text written. And they showed me the sort of, this, and it was like, it was embarrassing. I mean, just really, really embarrassing. I said, if you start sending that out on automated scale, you're going to lose your business overnight. So 
you know, just talk me through your thoughts around, I suppose there's two bits there, around automation and then user experience and where that works, doesn't work, crossover, and maybe some of the things that you guys at Bullhorn are doing around that. Yeah, I mean, God, I could wax lyrical, and I'm conscious that we don't have uh, too much time this afternoon. But so automation, first and foremost, there are so many use cases for automation. That's, I think that's the first first key to thing to point out. And, and also, there are different flavors of automation in terms of how the tools are are, are built. So you know, from a Bullhorn standpoint, our automation platform is native to our, to our code base. It's a two-way engine, which means that we can track those interactions and write data back in, into Bullhorn. I think if you are automating any processes at the moment via a third party, via middleware, via developers, um, anything that basically carries a, a cost implication, then you may well be on a path of sorts to reducing that, you know, that spend of external sources and drive that engagement, but you're kind of robbing Peter and paying Paul. This, in, you know, in our view, it should be sort of standard functionality that that is codeless in its nature, because then of course, whether you are automating, um, processes you know very simple things when this happens over here then go and automate that over there because that happens all you know every time for example and it's just admin that we can take away from from consultants it's, it's burden that we can remove and can free up time to the more advanced stuff like reaching out to, to candidates passive candidates in particular the whom we might not have engaged with for, for quite some time so many different purposes and that's why we created the focus groups so you know yourself what you know what they're all about and, and that community where businesses come together and they share their ideas what's working what isn't working the experience of doing this, experience of doing that. And, and what we tend to see is just this great discussion surfacing all manner of different use cases for automation, but none of which are going to cost an agency money to go and implement mm -hmm. them themselves. So that's a really key thing to, like, to, to point out. And, and it's much the same with like reporting as well. We, we kind of believe that you know, most businesses do not have dedicated resources to crunch out Power BI reports all day, day, every day. So if you are manually compiling reports that are costing time and money to develop and constantly need maintaining and all of that, I suppose, intelligence knowledge lives in one person's head and then that person leaves and, you know, you're, you're up the, the proverbial creek. It's, you know, we believe there's a better way. And that's and that's kind of the whole bullhorn philosophy is that these tools and, and accessing data and automating the, the processes, whether it be for data health purposes, for engagement purposes, whatever it is, should be something that you can configure at the interface, therefore not incur additional cost over and above the license fee, which to your earlier point, James, these tools are not cheap. You know, the yeah. tech investment is not cheap. So let's not, you know, let's not make it worse. <laughs> Well, no, but, but you and I, and we'll, we'll talk about someone, who, I won't say the name, but that you and I both know very well, who, you know, they, they talk about their business currently through their bullhorn users, um, massive power, sort of power users, I would probably suggest, just under 10,000 um, automations running per week across their business. I think it's like 9,826 to be exact, yeah. you know, and, and, and they refer to that as basically the equivalent of eight recruitment consultants. So just by using what's already there, they're already paying for in bullhorn, using that customizable approach to be able to do all these different automations. They're, they're saying that's the equivalent of eight, eight recruiters. Well, you, know, you could then argue well, eight recruiters averaging 140, 160 K GP. That's quite a lot of performance you're getting out of, in theory, those um, those those um, those automations, which, which I think is pretty cool. And again, no, no two businesses would ever have the same automation strategy. Like, And, and we, we often, again, do insist that automation is not there to, to replace the human touch. Like, Automation mm -hmm. is there to... I suppose to, to take away the otherwise manual tasks that can that can and should be automated quite quite frankly and it is also there to tap into what 
you just don't have the bandwidth to tap into. But a really good example, James, of the user experience, both internal and external, is if, for example, an automated outreach campaign to passive candidates was to surface some, some candidates, maybe that you already worked with in the past, possibly even placed four or five, six years ago, whatever it is, and there's not a touch point on your database, no one's interacting with them, but your, your campaign just so happens to get them at the right time in the right place. Mm. And then they, they enter that sequence with you and determine that they're looking for a job, you know, whatever it might be, and then it ends with a call being booked into a consultant's diary where a candidate has been pre-screened that they weren't already talking to. They're looking for a job. They're on the market. You understand what they're looking for. You understand how far they're willing to travel. All of that stuff surfaced before they've even come onto the call. And it, and it's a call that a time and a date that works for them. That is a real mindset shifter for a consultant that comes in on a Monday morning, let's say, and think, so hang on a minute, there's a there's a candidate here looking for work, we've maybe even placed them in the past, um, matched with these 25 open jobs that we have at the moment, who is uh, basically been pre-screened and has given me the time and date that, that works for them to talk. That's that's huge. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's where all of a sudden technology is no longer this thing that we have to comply with every day because the company says I have to. And mm. also like, technology is starting now to enable me to be more successful and it's working for me even whilst I'm, you know, potentially enjoying the weekend or whatever it might be. So, yeah, that's I think that's a huge use case with with automation. And from a I suppose from a candidate's perspective, a lot of our grid survey responses tell us that the expectation of candidates now is to have regular dialogue with with an agency. And we all know, of course, that one of the biggest stereotypes that's played recruitment over the years is that agencies don't do what they say they're going to do when they've said they're going to do it. So again automation can bring some consistency to the experience there um everybody's got a personal experience as well where if you sort of take your recruitment hat off momentarily and you think okay when i've procured something on a on a retail website or i've, I've engaged with a like a website online and the automated things that happen off the back of that it's an expectation these days so when you think about the the, the run-up to an interview and all of the steps involved in that interview like making sure that actually someone knows where they need to be and what time they need to be there they know what documents they need to bring they know yeah. what time it's taking place and they've had the little reminder just to make sure they can get there so reducing the churn potential these are little things they're not they're not intrusive and i think some businesses out there are really embracing this digital experience and they're bringing to you know, to candidates on the outside world and it's working it's driving yeah. engagement. It's it's driving more more placements. It's incre increasing that um, that interaction that you have with the data that you hold on these people, negating the need to then go external all the time. So, yeah, that and and and, 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 there's, and there's a fear factor with this, isn't there? Because there's some businesses who are definitely saying in the moment, "This is all going too far. We're coming too tech led." <laughs> you know, we're, we're, recruitment's always a people versus people thing and that type of stuff. And and and, and I'm I'm trying to make this really clear to everyone I'm speaking to is that. You know, tech and automations and AI and all these things that are out there, what they do is they dehumanize the transactional stuff to allow you to spend more time doing the human stuff. Spot on. I think it's a really important thing. I think some people are going, no, it replaces it. So let's stop doing the human stuff and just do tech instead. But no, it doesn't do that. Um, and actually, what we need to do, and I was talking to someone the other day, USP of a recruitment business in 2023, guarantee and in 2024 now, is who are the ones who are spending more time out in front of their customers? So how do you do that? Well, we create more capacity and time to be able to do so. Okay, how do you do that? Then you automate the processes that don't require you to do it. So, so as long as you're trading the automation time saved with valuable USP-led actions, such as get out in front of your customers, go and do 10 meetings a week and that sort of stuff, 
then I think it works. I think where it doesn't work is where, and I'm not saying this in, in anyone in particular, but where recruiters pretend can become a bit lazy because they've got this system doing all their jobs for them, and therefore I don't need to bother almost type of stuff. Are you seeing a little bit of that coming in? I, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think most businesses would be able to suss, you know, suss um, consultants that have that that mentality, that attitude, or whatever it is. You know, regardless. And, and, of- and, 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 and by the way, that's not an attitudinal thing. I make it clear. I'm not having a go at recruiters having bad attitudes. <laughs> that sort of stuff. But as a, as a quick example, I've seen people set up um, automated sort of sequencing on their yeah. outreach, click a button, and then go wait for the sales to come in here they come sort of stuff and wondering why six weeks later they haven't got anything on the top of their sales funnel so is that is that sort of, that's what i'm sort of saying i think this is where like analytics comes into its own though james and actually surfacing a lot of like you know how many calls have been made this this week it's like having some automated outreach in the background like great again i, I use that sort of like 12 man analogy it's not going to replace the job it's not going to do the job for you but actually having visibility of of data using data in a really strategic way like not reporting with hindsight anymore but actually starting to provide the data and the metrics that are going to help people to to know where to to apply their efforts and know where the opportunity lies um i mean i don't know like how many businesses would, would say that they do report in in that way but obviously we're bought on analytics not to sort of push it too much but one of the i think one of the real things that sets it apart is the proactive insights like mm-hmm. the actual insights actually you know we might have companies here that we've worked with in the past and we haven't spoken to them in two weeks four weeks two months three months why not like we've placed people into that business so let's surface that information and consultant it's about time we put in a call to these guys like there might be some low-hanging fruit potential there that's you know that's a form of reporting but many businesses don't are not always able to surface that information to look forward and look in real time so a lot of the um, you know the reports that they have are like, well, wouldn't it be nice if we could have done this like one month ago and two months ago? Like hindsight, wonderful thing, but again, it's that's the opportunity in data for me, and it's yeah, it's well, 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 it is, and those analytics things I think are massive. And I remember going back a number of years ago. This is when you know analytics, all analytics was Cube nineteen, and I was catching up with with Joe. Uh, and he talked about for the first time actual insights and it was such an obvious but bloody hell what a no-brainer thing that actually here's a load of data on one side but actually what is it telling you to do <laughs> as opposed to there's a lot of data how fascinating as opposed to what are you going to do differently tomorrow because of that data and etc and i think that that to me is there's actual insights I, I just love that concept i really talk about it a lot but the, the, the other thing around it and i think this came around a lot in 2023 is there's a lot of recruitment companies that didn't know that the market was shifting or didn't see it coming as quickly as they did. They weren't prepared for it. There are a lot of recruitment businesses who let things go for maybe a little bit too long because the data, or they weren't looking at the data and it wasn't it wasn't sort of highlighting the red flags that are about to hit them, if that made sense. Yeah. So that's why I think for, for some recruitment companies, not all of them, but some recruitment companies, it took a lot longer to bounce back at the end of last year because it took them a lot longer to realize that their businesses were going in the slightly wrong direction. There were there was performance levels that weren't quite adequate. There were processes that weren't quite aligned to the markets, et cetera. So those analytics piece are almost like pre-warning a recruiter that this is going to happen, fix it now before it happens type conversation. Now, is that, is that the stuff that you're seeing happening? And, and can you do that through Bullhorn? Is there like this almost like a red flag, like alerts coming up, get ready, guys, you're about to go the wrong way, turn around quick? I, I think so. I mean, again, this whole like connected recruiting sort of principle really is like, well, the analytics needs to tell us more about 
how our business is performing. I know that sounds like a really obvious statement to make, but but if it's if it's always retrospective, it, it's it's always like hindsight, and 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 that's and I suppose that's a mindset shift as well. When when we talk to businesses about about actionable insights, they start to realize that actually, yeah, we probably do take action maybe when it's too late to do so, and and that's no good anymore. And and we can actually start to look forward, and we can look to analyze our business more in in real time. And then I say that often feeds the, the automation potential. Like how many businesses are we engaged with from our, from our CRM? Like how many candidates have we touched base with? It's, it's going to tell you where that opportunity lies. But something that I, I mean, I'm, I'm really passionate about as well is like understanding ratios in a business. Like, Definitely. do you as a business understand how much more successful you are when you, know, you have multiple candidates submitted for any one individual job? Again, maybe sounds quite quite obvious, but if you actually took the time to understand that that data and tracked it continuously i think there's probably some businesses on this call not not least that would be quite surprised to see that actually the difference between submitting like one candidate for a job versus two versus three versus four whatever it might be is quite stark in places but do your people on the ground know that yeah because again we can be surfacing this data and telling them and guiding them you know showing them the way as it were but but if they don't understand that then it's like your eggs are in one basket here at the moment and in this very competitive like economic landscape we find ourselves in like these little insights can be the difference between success and failure such well, a yeah and, well it is it's like marginal gains right and that's the whole reason how sporting sporting teams do better than anybody else because they just focus on the one two percent incremental improvements in every part of the process we we, we i think you've seen it we created a, a, a toolkit called the profit maximizer and I'm really pleased with it as well because it really works. And it, when you plug in a little bunch of data and then you start playing with the dials and the knobs, and you go, actually, well, this is what you could do. If you just did that and just did that, two tiny, tiny changes, look at how it translates out into net profitability and contribution at the other end. And I, and I love that concept because it's so true. It's those little tweaks and things. So I think, I think that's, that's all important. I think anyone on this call who's listening who's a business leader or recruitment leader, now please make sure you've got your, your profit maximizer. So if you want a copy of ours, you can have ours. But if you've got you've got some sort of dashboard in place that's showing you the red flags, the precursors to performance, maybe not going in the right direction down the track. So you can you've got time to fix it. Let's focus on what we're going to fix today. That's going to impact the next 90 days as opposed to get to the end of 90 days. Go oh, bugger. It's not quite working. But it's like a quick remedial um, to sort of turn it around. Um, yeah, we, we can't. Anymore. Yeah, don't, don't, don't look back. Don't look back in anger. Absolutely. Let, let's um we've got a couple a couple of minutes to go, a couple of things we've got to talk about because they're really important. Let's just start with BD. What what's uh let, look at the bullhorn stack at the moment and the automation stuff you're doing. Just give me a couple of examples of where that's transforming people's BD strategies and helping them win more business. Top of the agenda right now. Yeah, I mean we we're still seeing great, great uptake with Sourcebreaker um again since acquisition, but we've done a big job of integrating Sourcebreaker with analytics. So again, we're surfacing more information to help businesses realize how well they are utilizing that that tool. But um you know, really I suppose for me anyway, quite um quite an easy one to go and to go and kind of implement is um the, the source box within within Sourcebreaker. So automate the lead identification and businesses that are going through funding rounds. So actually you can take again proactive action to start building relationships within those prospective accounts and and getting ahead of uh, of that potential opportunity. Um, again, leads automation is something we've released recently. So starting to actually use automation to engage a broader pool of 
um, of leads and contacts and, and again giving them the ability to interact with you in in ways that a lot of people now want to interact as well so again not to make anything here transactional no one is replacing the human touch but it's 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 giving people various means to to interact with your with your brand um in a way that kind of works for them and, and suits them and so on um, and again just surfacing that information like analytics is i suppose to all extent purposes analytics is in people's faces all the time it can be yeah. on big screens it can be sat in ball and it, it but it's it's telling us have we made enough calls in in the first place have we re-engaged those businesses that we have worked with in the past where probably already have terms in place for too like are we missing a trick there it's um and, and it's that connected recruiting philosophy again it's like source breaker is a tool for a lot of businesses maybe not on bullhorn even using source breaker today that information is external to, to yeah. bullhorn probably still serving a purpose I, I certainly hope it is but how much more powerful would it be if it was in bullhorn with all of that like those analytics then being surfaced so that department heads, team leads, management can actually start to make some informed decisions around where is our opportunity? Where are we generating more leads from? Are we recycling businesses that we've worked with in the past as effectively as we could be? And things things of that. So so again, without sort of wanting to sound like I'm repeating myself, it's all about understanding data. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And then, so that, that then leads me into our, our, my final point or comment or thing to talk about when it comes to data, which is obviously is AI, because obviously AI is all built around data and everything else. Um, you're, I'm seeing lots of really cool stuff going on around the AI world. I'm seeing a lot of really bad stuff going on as well, and people are not getting this right whatsoever. And I'm amazed about, in some cases, the lack of knowledge around AI and, and what it can and can't do at the moment. You know, we did a, a round table yesterday about 80, 90 people on it. We talked about how to develop your own GPTs and stuff. And people were like, I didn't know you could create your own GPTs. What's all that about sort of stuff? You know, it's just like, you, you need to know this stuff, right, pretty quick. Um, so you, you, the bullhorn strategy around AI, um, and how much can you tell us about what the plan is moving forward? Some... Is there a plan? <laughs> there is certainly a plan. Um, there is um, an imminent major release, all things AI, which um, will become public knowledge before before too long. Um, hugely excited by what but what that brings. But but Bullhorn is thinking of AI in just so much more than a generative AI capacity. Um, you know, I think the um, dare I say the generative AI, as much as there is some time saving qualities there, and, and maybe there is a um, an argument to say it can improve the quality of of a, of a consultant's work. I think it's still a little bit gimmicky in nature and true AI will be where we start to surface the opportunity like ahead of time, again, from the data that we're holding in our in our CRMs. And you think like source sourcing AI and directed AI is like when, you know, candidates that are suitable for a given job are auto matched without you doing anything. And yeah. you start to apply metrics like, well, we've placed this individual three times in the past, every fourth year, a salary increase of 10 grand, no further than 10 miles from where they live. And there's a job over here that matches to their skill set. And bang, that person's right for the picking because it's been three years since they moved from their from their previous job. That is, I think that's that's where AI starts to to move the needle. Um, but again, it's it's all going to be contingent from the data yeah. that you've hold on these people in the first place. If you've got multiple silos and your data's here and your data's there and you're pulling reports from this spreadsheet and that spreadsheet, you're not you're not ready to embrace that opportunity. And it is coming and it's coming at a rate of knots as well. So hundred yeah, percent. And and that's that proper predictive analytics stuff that I think is is really is really super exciting and to Catalan's point who really made is. a comment in here so you know all well and good but let's make sure we don't forget about the human factor as part of it um i'm going to um i'm going to get my ai to run a quick transcript uh, assessment on this uh, linkedin live in a second to see how many times gary cordray mentioned the word data 
Um, I think it was over, record, 90, over 90, I think it is. But your you point is absolutely spot on. You know, this is what recruitment businesses are about. Now. They're data driven, using automation to allow us to be more human and do more of the human stuff, which is which is absolutely spot on. Gary, as always, absolute pleasure to see you. I know you've got a busy, busy day in the moment and sort of stuff. So back to it now. You're going to miss your lunch, but great to see you. Thanks, <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. No, thank you for having me. Thank you, everybody, for your time. Appreciate it. No problem at all. And as always, if you need to reach out to Gary, you'll find him on LinkedIn. You'll find me on, on LinkedIn as well. Uh, look out look out for Bullhorn. Look out for the recruitment network and we look forward to seeing you at our next LinkedIn Live. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks so much. Take care. Good to see you.